Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. We got out block them. We got out tackle them. We got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them. You out tackle them. You out hit them and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Welcome in. It is week three of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview to College Football Edition. I'm A.J. Hoffman, joined as always by Scott Seidenberg. You can find both of us at pregame.com. And we are into the contest now, Scott. Week one of the Golden Nugget Contest in the books. Not a great week for us. And we finished three and four, luckily. Um, we came through with the, we, we had five college plays, two NFL plays, came through with the NFL plays, went 2-0 and there. Uh, saved a rough week on the college football side. I'll ask you, what do you think went wrong for us with college football last week? The refusal to put Colorado on the on the contest card. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was what it was. The refusal to put it on the contest card. No, I just think um, you know we, and this happened to us a lot last year. Is we kind of fell, we fell victim to the market a lot. And I think we need to do a better job of maybe not being influenced by it. Now, I know it's very hard because if we're going to get points. You want more points than what you're supposed to get. We'll take it. So if in the contest, the game is lined at seven and in the market, it's eight. You're thinking that's that seems like a pretty good bet, right? And it's, yeah. just, it's a shame that, you know, things don't work out all the time that way. But I, I think we're okay. Nobody went undefeated this week in the contest. Yeah. The, the the highest output was 6-1, and one, and only a handful of people went 6-1. and one. So we're not far behind after one week. Well, you can't panic after one week anyway. Uh, you know, a 5-2 and two week, we're back in this thing. Uh, and, you know, we're, we'd be above 500 and probably feeling good about things. So. Mm-hmm. Let's just uh, let's take it week to week. This week we know what the contest looks like. Well, we don't know the the exact lines yet, but we do know that every game is going to be available to us. Yeah. So what we're going to do on this show is we're going to at least give you what we project to be our card. And yeah. We're leaving some yep. wiggle room because if there's some NFL games, last week there were two NFL games that Scott and I both really liked. Two and and we went two and zero in those. So it, when we, if we do feel there's some good NFL plays, we're going to leave them in there. We're going to try to have at least four college football plays every week. Uh, so what we're going to do is give you at least four that we can say we're pretty comfortable. These are going to be on the card. Now that said, if these are numbers that end up being on the wrong side of a key number, that that could change our mind on things. So if we think, oh, we'll play this team minus two and a half, and it ends up being three and a half. I mean, those things are going to happen, but given the market lines currently, what we what we project the card to look like when it's released tomorrow morning, uh, that's what we're going to go with. Yeah. So we'll go through the top twenty five, and we'll give you our thoughts. And if we're if we're looking at any of those games as contest picks, uh, but then we will give you. I, I know both Scott and I have a couple games that are not in the top twenty five that we like for the contest this week. So we'll give you those at the end of the pod. 
Let's jump into it. Let's start uh, running down the, the the top 25 schedule, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll start on Thursday night. We have a game on Thursday, number 22, Miami hosting Bethune-Cookman. No line on this as we have an FBS-FCS matchup. So we fast forward to Saturday where number three, Florida State, is at Boston College and the Seminoles laying 26 on the road. Yeah, Boston College lost at home to Northern Illinois. That's bad. They needed a late fumble recovery to beat Holy Cross in mm-hmm. week two. And Holy Cross is a solid FCS team, but I still have Boston College as, right now, the worst team in Power Five, uh, even worse than Northwestern. Boston College allowed 264 yards on the ground against Holy Cross, and Florida State's running game, led by Trey Benson, is averaging over 220 a game, and they've played LSU. Um FSU's just, they've just been a, a unit so far. They beat Southern Miss. You could have said, oh, maybe it's a letdown spot. Southern Miss, uh, the week after you play LSU, the week before you start conference play, letdown spot. Well, they just won by 53. Uh, this is their first road game. I still think they pile on this BC team. The concern would be they've got a trip to Clemson ahead. So maybe the dogs get called off after the first half. Maybe you look at a, a, Florida State first half here, uh, but I think that Florida State kind of just bullies this team around. Well, that's the thing for me is I, I'd be looking at Florida State in the first half because I do think they call off the dogs as they get prepared to face Clemson next week. And if you're looking at a first half lineup on DraftKings right now, Florida State minus 14 and a half total in that first half is 26 and a half first quarter line. Florida State minus six and a half is at minus 112 is very attractive because I can see them taking a 14-0 lead, in fact, after the first quarter. So I'd be looking at Florida State early, and I'm more comfortable than laying the big number for the entire game. I do expect them to cover this number, but I worry about them calling off the dogs in the second half with Clemson on deck. Yeah, and I I mean, I think even with Clemson looking rough, I think you're still going to look at this Florida State team taking that as one of their more serious games of the season. So, um, yeah, that's the only way I could look here. If I want Florida State, which I I think I do, uh, the only way I'm going to play them is, is to get in on the early action. Yep, moving on on Saturday, number seven, Penn State at Illinois. Penn State laying 14 and a half. And AJ, this is like maybe a borderline contest play for me because I actually have this game lined in my rankings at at least 17, maybe even 20. Illinois is horrific in third down defense, 128th in the country in third down defense. And how about red zone defense? A whopping 100% or 0%, whichever way you want to look at it. Here's the numbers. They've allowed 10 red zone possessions to their opponents. Seven touchdowns and three field goals. So every time an opponent gets in the 20, they're scoring. Drew Allers had a great start to the season, completing over 78% of his passes for Penn State. Penn State is on a nine-game cover streak. They've covered the spread in nine straight games. They've also scored at least 30 points in nine straight games. And I just don't see Illinois stopping this Penn State offense at all. Well, I think anytime you talk about Penn State, you have to consider that their coach seemingly uh, pays attention to things like point spreads. And James Franklin, you saw it in the game against West Virginia. Absolutely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Late touchdown that got Penn State backers to the window. And... You know, if you're back in that team, you love having a coach like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that 
you're right. This has been a, a pretty bad start to the season for Illinois. Took a, a field goal with five seconds left for them to beat Toledo in week one. That was at home. Then they lost by double digits to Kansas despite scoring 14 straight to end the game. They still lost by double digits. Penn State's been dominant, man. They, they brutalized Delaware last week. And even after dropping Illinois a few spots in my power rating, I still can't get to this full game number at 14 and a half on the road. But I certainly want nothing to do with Illinois. Now, this is another game where I could see some look ahead. Penn State's got Iowa on deck. There's not a lot of games on Penn State's schedule that they're going to look at and, and take seriously, especially outside of the Michigan and Ohio State games. Iowa is probably one of those games. Uh, you can look at them seven and a half in the first half, uh, but it's certainly a lean to Penn State for the full game. If you're looking at just the ESPN's FPI, the football power index, Penn State is one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in the nation at a 21.8 rating. And then you go all the way down to Illinois, which is at a three-point rating. That's uh, 18 points of difference in the football power index. Now, that's not the end-all, be-all, but it is a good indication of the way that the analytics view these two teams playing against each other. So Penn State, uh, serious consideration for me laying the 14.5 because there's no way this number gets the 14. It's only, only going to go up. Uh, number 14, LSU, and this is also uh, Fox's big noon kickoff game, is uh, going to be noon, uh, noon Eastern time. Is the Penn State game? I don't know if the pregame show is going to be there, but that's where the, okay. that's the noon game on Fox. That's the nationally televised Fox big noon kickoff game is uh, Penn State at Illinois. Number 14, LSU is at Mississippi State, and LSU laying nine and a half, AJ. It, this is uh, it, one of the game. One of the games I'm considering is LSU in this spot, and it's pretty hard to feel good about Mississippi State right now. the The dogs were plus four in turnover margin against Arizona, and they needed overtime to beat Arizona. Arizona stinks, and if you go back to last year's game, Jaden Daniels threw for two ten, but also ran for ninety three and a touchdown. Running quarterbacks are still a problem for Mississippi State's defense. Jaden Delora for Arizona. Threw for 342 and two touchdowns, ran for 44 yards on eight carries and another score. LSU's look solid stopping the run, and this is a they they're running Mississippi State's running the ball a lot more than they did in the Leach days. Uh, they did a good job stopping the run even against Florida State, who we think is very good running the football. LSU was also willing to run the ball against Grambling, which was nice to see. They didn't run against Florida State, they, especially anyone but Jane Daniels. It's like, when are they going to have a running back step up? Uh, it looks like Logan Diggs has answered the question about who's going to be the RB1. Uh, add in that Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors are, are just matchup nightmares for this Mississippi State defense. I think those skill guys, Daniel's ability with his legs, I think it makes it a bad matchup for Mississippi State. So LSU minus 9.5, anything under 10 is one of the ones that I would look at for our contest. Yeah, I think 10 is the right number. Um, I think I would have it at 10 and to see it at 9 or 9.5 I think is a good play. Anything under 10 I kind of like with LSU here. Um, They're just a better team. They're the more talented team. They're going to be the more aggressive team in this matchup. And with a noon kickoff, uh, I don't exactly see a, a, a distinct home field advantage there in Starkville for Mississippi State. I don't either. 
Number 15, Kansas State is at Missouri. Kansas State laying five points on the road. Another one that might be considered a trap because you're thinking, why is number 15 Kansas State only laying five? There's no doubt. And I, I listen, Troy was a team I was high on, and mm-hmm. Kansas State absolutely smacked them around. Yeah, Will that, Howard looked good. 12-game win streak, gone, 42-13. A lot of people were high on Mizzou coming into this season. I was not one of those people. Two weeks in, I don't feel bad for doubting them preseason. They, they, they beat South Dakota in week one. They edged out Middle Tennessee in week two, 23-19. I go back to last year's matchup, and Kansas State absolutely stomped this team last year. And that was with Adrian Martinez at quarterback. Now you've got, you've got a massive upgrade here in Will Howard, and there's no Deuce Vaughn. I get it. But DJ Giddens is averaging about seven yards a carry this season. I think Kansas State controls time of possession. Mizzou only had 32 minutes of control against Middle Tennessee State. I, I, I want to take Kansas State because this number just feels like it can't be right. I think Kansas State might be the second-best team in the Big 12. I think Mizzou mm. is a bottom-feeding you know, SEC team. But I, I do feel like that number is too good to be true, and it's making me want to stay away. What are you thinking? I, I just think that it's a mismatch with Kansas State's offense against Missouri's defense. If you look at the efficiency ranks uh, on defense, Missouri is middle of the road, the the 52.4 on the efficiency rankings. Meanwhile, on the offensive efficiency, Kansas State is one of the better teams in the country right now through the first couple of games. They're sitting there at an 80.3 right behind Kansas in in state. Um, I, I just think that, I'm I'm worried about how Kansas State, how Missouri stops Kansas State. The spread scares me because I feel like it's a trap, much like we saw with like what it was the Oregon yeah, spread, Oregon last Texas week. Tech, and but, Oregon ends up covering that game, but it took a freaking miracle. Yeah, I think my the better play for me might be the over 48. Okay, because I think Kansas State can score, and if Missouri keeps this thing close then this could be a high-scoring affair in Columbia. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Again, I, I if I were forced to, pl- to play a side on this game, I'd stick to my preseason gun. I'd say Kansas State's really good. Mizzou's not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, five feels like a really short number. I, this, this is a, I guess, I think maybe Kansas State looks at this game more like a rivalry game than Missouri does. Like, Missouri likes to think Kansas is their rival, uh, and Kansas State is just Kansas's little brother. But, I mean, lately, only one of those teams is good at football, so mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to say that it's not. Uh, yeah, it, it, this will probably – the line is scary enough for me to not want to play it, uh, but if I had to, it'd be, it'd, be the, uh, it'd be Kansas State. Yeah, and PFF has them ranked uh, Kansas State's 14th and uh, Missouri's 33rd. Yeah, and about six points of difference between the two as far as terms in terms of the roster rankings or whatnot. Uh, moving on, number twelve, Utah hosts Weber State. No line there. Number nine, Notre Dame, a thirty-four and a half point favorite over Central Michigan. And what I've noticed about Notre Dame through three weeks is that they can name their number against any opponent. Now they are looking ahead to the Ohio State game. So that does give me caution laying the wood here with the Irish. This could be a situation where they want to get out healthy and they want to get out early and be ready for the Buckeyes, which could be the make or break or the first make or break game for their college football playoff resume. Yeah, and this is uh, Notre Dame. They've been a machine, and they started slow last week against North Carolina State. It was a weather game. looked like a tough road spot, but at the end of it, they pulled away, uh, ended up with a nice, comfortable win. And 
Now they get this Central Michigan team that needed a game-winning field goal as time expired against New Hampshire. That's not a good sign. Central Michigan is one of the worst teams in the MAC. MAC is probably the worst conference in football. That's it. Just the math says Central Michigan's pretty dreadful. But like you said, they're maybe their game of the year on deck against Ohio State. Notre Dame has shut down running quarterbacks so far this season. Notre Dame or Navy had no success running the ball. Uh, last week, Brennan Armstrong had 26 yards on 12 carries. That was like mm. one, of the, one of the things NC State had going for him was maybe they could get him running. They couldn't. Central Michigan needs to run Burt Emanuel as he hasn't shown a lot as a passer yet. I, I think I'm going to assume Notre Dame gets out to a comfortable lead and sits on the ball in the second half because they've got that Ohio State game coming up. Probably enough to keep me off of the, the side, but I, I kind of like this under here at 54. What do you think? Total, yeah, 54 and a half you can even get on DraftKings okay. right now. And maybe that's the way to lean because this could be a, a Notre Dame blowout where Central Michigan doesn't score it much. It could be 45-0. Yeah, something like that. Um, looking at the early uh, the, the early portions of the game, Notre Dame seven and a half point favorites in the first quarter. 13 and a half is the total there. 18 and a half points for the first half for Notre Dame, 29 and a half. For the game, nothing really jumps out at me there. One thing I like about Notre Dame, if you if you are looking to lay it with the Irish, one thing I think you've got going for you is right now Sam Hartman's a Heisman contender, mm-hmm. and keep the foot on the gas. You you pad numbers when you've got a Heisman contender, and and Sam Hartman seems like he's pretty good at padding numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, this is an opportunity for him to put up some some big ones. So it wouldn't shock me if they said let's go balls out, but I, I just don't think Central Michigan adds anything here. Number one, Georgia hosting South Carolina. The Bulldogs laying 27 and a half, AJ. Uh, last team, last SEC team to win at Georgia was South Carolina back in 2019. Uh, the week one data point for the Gamecocks against North Carolina is concerning, though. Not because they lost. I mean, that, that's fine. But they allowed nine sacks in that game to North Carolina. They had negative two rushing yards in that mm-hmm. game against North Carolina. And that's what we, I mean, North Carolina, we generally consider them a bad defensive football team. How do you possibly move the ball against Georgia? And They've allowed 10 points all season. Last season, they didn't move the ball. Uh, Georgia won that game 48-7. to Brock Bowers caught three touchdowns. Spencer Rattler played his worst game of the year. And South Carolina put a touchdown in. With under a minute to go, it was 48 nothing, and they said, you know what, let's get this one up here just mm-hmm. so we feel good about ourselves. Um, I, Georgia should be excited to play an SEC opponent. You know, I, I, you know, they've kind of been in cruise control, it seemed, in the wins against UT Martin and Ball State. They haven't looked like they're just going after it. So I could see them really punishing this South Carolina team, but... Again, I'm going to look to an under in a game where I think the Georgia offense this season doesn't look as dominant as it did a year ago, but the defense is still elite. I expect them to continue to dominate. So uh, under 54 would be the way I'd look here. I would actually lay the wood. Um, Georgia, this is now third of four home games to start the season. Uh, they're just comfortable. Meanwhile, we, we've we had South Carolina play in Charlotte, then they played home, now they have to travel to Georgia. And Georgia, as I mentioned, has allowed 10 points <laughs> all season. Now, I know it's UT Martin and Ball State. I get it. 
But that defense is playing with confidence right now. No doubt. And that crowd is still electric. And guess what? It's going to be even more electric for a 3.30 game on Saturday when you open up SEC play against South Carolina. Uh, 27 and a half. I think they. I think this could be a similar score than what we've seen in the first two weeks, a 48-7 to seven type game. That certainly wouldn't shock me. The, the thing that gives me pause is at the end of last – South Carolina's got talent now. Remember at the end of last season, outright upset over Tennessee, mm-hmm. outright upset over uh, Clemson. And if you're able to play with teams like that, you're able to beat teams like that, that means you've got the talent and those guys clearly get up to play in these bigger games. Uh, although, like I said, last year, the game with Georgia was an absolute bloodletting. So uh, I, I see I see your side of things. Uh, again, I'll, I'll probably just stick with the under because I think I, I just think South Carolina has a hard time getting anything going. Number 10, Alabama at South Florida and the title laying 32. Is this a situation where Nick Saban bounces back from the loss and they take out their frustrations on a lesser opponent? I'll be honest. One of the things when I was prepping for this pod, I said, Let me see how Saban does coming off a non-conference loss. Do you know how far back I had to look to (laughs) find a non-conference loss? Like a regular season non-conference loss. I'm going to say it was when he was coaching at Michigan State. Close. He's had one at Alabama. Okay. 2007, his first year there, Mm -hmm. they lost to Florida State. Okay. Other than that, it's just been domination of anybody who's not in the SEC. So there's really not any data points to tell you uh, how he does in this situation. That's also, I believe, the last time that they've lost two straight games. I believe so, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, listen, this is – it's kind of unprecedented territory. Here's what I will say. Laying chalk with Bama on the road last year was not smart. They were 21-point favorites against Texas. They won by a point. Uh, they were nine-point favorites against Tennessee, 14-point favorites against LSU, lost both outright. They were uh, they were minus 11 at Ole Miss. They won by six. They were 0-4 ATS on the road last season. South Florida is certainly none of those teams. This is a dreadful team. They, they won one game last year, was against an FCS opponent. Uh, Alabama can name their number, but I – why? I think they lean on the run game. I think they lean on the defense. Those two facets were the the facets of the game that were underwhelming against Texas. They've not been able to run the ball at all, really, this season. And I think that's starting to upset Nick Saban. I think even like Nick Saban's gotten to this mode now where he's always had these quarterbacks who are able to chuck it around. So the run game's been a little secondary. He doesn't have that right now. Milrow is not that guy. So they need to find a running game. They need to find some defense. That leads me to look at the under. Uh, I, I don't want to lay this big chalk on the road, even though, I mean, Alabama's a world better than South Florida, and I imagine they're pissed off. They can cover this number if they want. I think it's just a matter of what does Nick Saban want to prioritize, and does beating the shit out of South Florida, does it make you feel better after the Texas law? I don't know. Uh, I think Nick Saban would much rather just get things right, and right now things aren't right for Alabama. Well, here's an interesting stat. Since 2008, after a loss, Alabama 7-8 and ATS. Okay. So, yeah. and, and I'll give you the uh, the, the straight-up win-loss record for Alabama in that same time span if you want to compare it so to. So, wait, 2008, that's so 15 since, years ago, right? Since 2008, yeah. They're 13-2 and two straight up after a loss 
but only seven and eight ATS. Just saying that out loud is like, okay, that's 15 years, 15 losses. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, what an absurd <laughs> run it's been. Like, sometimes you, you need to remember, yeah. you need to put things into perspective. Yeah, they like, lost 15 games in 15 like, years. Oh, Alabama, they, they're, they're down. <laughs> they might lose two or three games this year, and it's like, oh, the sky is falling. It, it's just it's it's a testament to what they've done. It's pretty unbelievable. That's yeah, that's wow. Thirteen and two straight up after a loss. Uh, Ohio State fifteen and six in that same time span. Okay, after a loss, but hey, only fifteen losses for, for only fifteen losses for Alabama, but seven and eight ATS in the following games. Uh, elsewhere, number sixteen Oregon State hosting San Diego State and the Beavers laying 24 and a half at home. I, I mean, I talked about this Oregon State team a lot in the preseason. This is one of my darling teams, my pet teams, my pet Beavers. Uh, and they've looked even better than I expected, I think. Uh, you know, the, San Diego State was in a dogfight with a terrible FCS team. Mm-hmm. And then they got blown out by UCLA. And UCLA didn't play their best game, and they still blew out San Diego State. Oregon State is going to run the ball at will against this team and I think San Diego State is still living on reputation they don't have the defense that they've had in the past and now with DJU the Beavers are a more complete offense I think they named their number here I I think this is a uh, this is blowout city Oregon State's one of my favorite plays this week I can get on board with that. Uh, I have not liked anything that I've seen from San Diego State early on in, in this portion of the season. And you're asking them now to uh, go on the road for the first time and go up to Oregon State. I think that they won't be able to handle it. Um, certainly weren't able to handle UCLA at home. And they've had a they, – let's face it, they, they have a home advantage. It's yeah, hot. No it's doubt. sunny. This, there's no shade at that stadium, Snapdragon. Now they got to go on the road where the Beavers are comfortable, where they just don't they they they're covering. I, I yeah, I would lean towards. I'm trying to look at rushing stats here, right? And I was looking at Oregon State's just the, their rushing defense. It's, it's sixth best in the country right now <laughs> in, in, in rushing defense. Yeah, like they, 51.5. Now take a look at yards uh, per game. Now take a look at San Diego State where they're at passing uh in the country. I'll just, I'll give you a hint. It's 124. Yeah, like it, it's, it's not good. It's, so if you can't run against this team, San Diego State can't pass. I don't know where where the points are going to come from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh this is it, this is a really good and that's not even getting into the other side of the ball where Oregon State is elite. Offensively, I, yeah. I mean they're they're 15th nationally in yards per play, uh, and and again this is the worst San Diego State defense we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Like this, that's something they've kind of hung their hat on. They're they're 124th nationally in, in points. They're 87th in yards per play allowed. This is this is not a good defensive football team. I, I think they're in for a really long day. And uh, remember all those stats. They've played an FCS school, yeah, like true. so, and and a bad FCS school. So this is a to me this is this is a mismatch. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's a big number, but I don't shy away from that one here in this matchup. Uh, another- well, remember Oregon State forty two seventeen against mm-hmm. San Jose mm-hmm. State, mm-hmm. and then fifty five seven last week. And that was an FCS match too, a, a smash spot. But they like so far they've ninety seven points through two games. Yeah, this this team is is running. 
Moving on, another big number, number 19, Oklahoma, 27.5-point favorites at Tulsa. Yeah, Tulsa covered a game that I didn't expect them to last week against Washington, and I actually played that game two ways. I played Washington and I played the over, and my thought was, I mean, if Tulsa finds a way to cover, the over should sail over, yet somehow it was dog and under in that game. Tulsa couldn't move the ball against Washington. What happened to Washington, though, was they made a couple mistakes. It had a couple drops, had an interception in the red zone. Um, but it, what I've seen now from this Oklahoma defense is they are going to be elite. To do what they did last week against SMU, which was like a step up for the, for competition mm-hmm. offensively, to hold them the way they did, um, I, I think Oklahoma is they're going to make it very difficult for Tulsa to get anything. I mean, if Tulsa couldn't really move the ball against Washington, how do they do it against this OU defense? Um, I don't think there's going to be much of a home field advantage in Tulsa. I would imagine there's probably more Sooner fans than – Yeah, probably. Know, it's one of those types of matchups. Uh, I, I I lean to the Sooners to cover this number, but I, I really like the under 59.5. Like, where did, where's Tulsa's points coming from? Like, wh- are they are they suddenly going to blow up? They could, they put up 10 against Washington. Mm-hmm. How many are they going to put up against this Venables defense that is just – they're flying around right now. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. This is less than two hours away from campus to campus, so there's going to be a, a large contingent of Sooner fans there in, in Tulsa. So I, I would lean towards Oklahoma in this one for sure. Uh, and just I, – I've, I've been impressed. It's just – it's a step up in defense, and we thought that – when Venables came in, the defense would immediately look like a Venables defense, and it didn't. But it takes time. It takes time to maybe get your players, to get the right players in to fit your system, and also to have everybody buy into your system. And you know how big of a fan of Dylan Gable I am on offense. So uh, I would lean Oklahoma here laying the points. On number 20, North Carolina hosting Minnesota. The Tar Heels laying seven and a half here at home. It's an interesting spread. Minnesota has played very well defensively. Can they limit this North Carolina offense? Yeah, this is like a it's bizarro matchup. It's a great offense, terrible defense team going against a great defense, terrible Mm -hmm. offense team. Uh, North Carolina, I would if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have said I'd love North Carolina in this matchup. But they struggled to get any separation from App State last weekend, and we thought this was like they were going to really kind of run App State out the building. They didn't. Uh, And Minnesota is not the kind of team that's going to blow anyone out, but they may let this Minnesota, dreadful Minnesota offense, score more than you would even think is possible. I think it's most likely this is just a really uglied up football game. I I think Minnesota wants to make this ugly. I think that it's going to be a terrible watch. I think people are going to be saying, oh, is Drake May that great? Uh, Because I think this is going to be a grimy, ugly game. It makes me lean to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to back Minnesota, um, but I'd probably lean even more to the under. This just feels like it's going to be one of those ugly games. I lean Minnesota just because um, I have these teams 10 points apart. Um, And when it comes down to it, like, can North Carolina win and win this one by 10? Yes, probably. And, and that's likely what's going to happen. But I see, I, I do see a path for Minnesota to keep this one close, to keep it ugly. We've seen North Carolina now uh, coming off an ugly game against Appalachian State, the team that has given them fits. And maybe that's coming off of a stressful overtime game. Now you have another annoying opponent. It's like that's not what you want yeah. after a difficult game. You want a cupcake. 
after a difficult game. After you escape in a double overtime win over App State, you want to face a team that you're laying 20 against. You don't want to face a team that's going to come in there with aggression and punch you in the mouth, and that's what Minnesota's going to do. So if I had to make a play on this one, I would lean Minnesota plus the 7.5. Anything north of a touchdown I think is good value. Okay. Number 21, Duke hosting Northwestern. Duke laying 18.5, and and I thought this number would be three touchdowns. Yeah, it's it, like Duke's the way I would look here, and it certainly feels like it's super square. Uh, it, it feels well, like yeah. you're, you're a sucker for sucks. betting this. Yeah, um, but North Northwestern getting a win against UTEP is not impressive. UTEP is a disaster, and the final was thirty-eight to seven, but UTEP put up three hundred nineteen yards against this team, and they turned it over just three times. And UTEP plays like. Uh, Jimbo Fisher dinosaur offense. Like this, it's a terrible offense. They put up 319 yards. So besides the three turnovers, they turned it over on downs twice. They went three of 12 on third down. So UTEP didn't get firmly outplayed by Northwestern here. I go back to week one. This Northwestern team couldn't move the ball against Rutgers. I think this is a better Duke defense than we've seen the last couple seasons. Uh, I think they've got some actual NFL talent on the field. That's enough for, to keep me from considering the dog here, even coming off that convincing win. I, I don't know. Again, I feel like a sucker uh, if I play Duke here, but there's no way I want any part of the underdog. It's the best quarterback that uh, that they're going to face or that they've faced so far this season in North Northwestern. Oh, no Riley Leonard is the best quarterback that they faced. And his running ability is going to be the difference in this one. I think Duke starts out fast, and I think they pull away, and this could be uh, this game could be over at halftime. You might be right. Yeah, uh, number, maybe look at a first half in this game. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Number twenty-five, Iowa, a twenty-eight and a half point favorite over Western Michigan. Western Michigan got absolutely annihilated at Syracuse last week, forty-eight to seven. Iowa should be able to do the same thing. Should they? Uh, I mean, Syracuse is running tempo. Like, the Syracuse's mm-hmm. offense looks efficient and solid. All I heard about is Iowa's new offense, and they're going to start putting up points. 25 points per game. You watch. I'm going to get this bonus. Yeah, 24 and 20. Uh, yeah, they can't. They suck. <laughs> uh, I hate the idea of Iowa as a four-touchdown favorite yep. against anyone. Um, Utah State is dreadful on offense, and they stayed within 10 points of this Iowa team. How? Like you said, Western looked terrible against Syracuse. I'm starting to think Syracuse is better than I thought. Like we'll the, we'll the, get to them, trust the, me. The, the up-tempo offense is working for them. But Iowa is just not a team I trust to pile up numbers. And uh, I, I don't want any part of this game because I, I do think Western, Kentucky, or Western Michigan stinks. Yep. But until Iowa does it, I'm not backing them laying a big number because it's just not something that it's in. It's not in their DNA. Uh, what do you think of the total? It's at 42 and a half. I mean, every, every Iowa game I lean under because mm-hmm. I, I, if I don't think Iowa's going to score, you know, 35 points, then yeah, I, I lean, I lean to the under for sure. What do we have in the first half here for this game? If Iowa, uh, what should they be laying here? If they're, mm, we got 28 and a half for the game. So first half is at 14 and a half. So it's a little bit, they cut it in half exactly. I was hoping you'd get a 14 or a 13 and a half. They wouldn't do that. No, no, but listen, 20 and 23 and a half. I was hoping that would be like 21. Yeah. I mean, if you want to bet 
on Iowa to win by a bunch of points, God bless you. Mm-hmm. You're a better man than I am. I can't do it. Uh, like I said, I mean, even Iowa State, who's a disaster on offense, they were still hanging in that game. They, they, Iowa's offense is just not going to let them pull away from teams. Sure. They're just not good enough. Number six, Ohio State hosting Western Kentucky and the Buckeyes laying 28. And at least Ohio State knows who their quarterback is. It's Kyle McCord. Yeah, Ohio State's looked a lot better defensively than offensively so far this year. But Western Kentucky is going to be the best offense that they've faced. And Austin Reed, remember last year, led the country in passing yards. He's thrown for nearly 600 yards. He's got a 6-0 to touchdown interception ratio. Like, this is going to be a solid offense. This is going to be a solid test for Ohio State. Kyle McCord looks like he's, I guess, the best option. He still doesn't look great to me. Um, The offensive line seems to be the weakness. They couldn't open up anything on the ground, and that was against Youngstown State. That's concerning. Uh, Obviously, I I think that they're going to want to, Ryan Day's going to want to fix that. He Mm -hmm. he wants Mm -hmm. to prove that they can run the ball because if you go into that Notre Dame game and Notre Dame thinks you're one dimensional, I think Notre Dame eats them up. Um, I think Western Kentucky finds their way on the scoreboard a couple times, and if the if the Ohio State offense continues to be ho hum, which it has been, like I, I I'm not convinced that Kyle McCord's next in line of the great Ohio State quarterbacks we've seen. I just don't think he's very good. Mm-hmm. So I, I like catching four touchdowns here. This is a, the, a four touchdown dog that I can really get behind. I actually like the first half taking Western Kentucky plus fifteen and a half. I like that too. And, and as as a correlated play, be over thirty three and a half in the first half. Okay, because I do believe that Western Kentucky gets on the board. I think so. And man. so if if you can give me at least a touchdown here for Ohio State to cover this spread, we're talking they're going to have to score. It's going to have to be twenty four to seven. I, I I just I don't see it. Like you know twenty eight to seven. And guess what? Twenty eight to seven hits the over. Yeah. 33 and a half. Uh, yeah, I think Western Kentucky plus 15 and a half north of two touchdowns there in the first half. That's the play that I would lean for this game. Yeah, we've seen a 23 to 3 and a 35 to 7. 23 to 3 was against Indiana, mm-hmm. 35 to 7 against an FCS school. Mm-hmm. If an FCS school is hanging within four touchdowns, yeah. I think Western Kentucky, this offense, is going to be able to hang in that number. Number eight, Washington at Michigan State. Washington laying 16 on the road. The Huskies did not cover last week despite winning by 33 points, 43-10, against Tulsa. And the big story here with Michigan State is they will be without head coach Mel Tucker, who is suspended. Yeah, and I think this is going to be one of the most publicly bet games. Like, I, I don't think... I don't think any Joe public is going to be on Michigan State in this no, game. No, no, no. Um, Washington should have covered last week. Like I said, they made some bonehead plays late, and this is an offense that we haven't typically seen make bonehead plays. We, we picked them minus 34 in the contest, and they won by 33. Yeah, very frustrating. <laughs> um, but if you remember last year, Washington was unranked, and they were favored over a ranked Michigan State team. They mm-hmm. end up winning that game comfortably. That was one of my best bets, Washington. Yep. And now they are laying a big number here against Sparty. And, and Michigan State is, like you said, they're in a tailspin. A tailspin. They, they won't have Mel Tucker, although it's hard for me to say that that's like a huge downgrade mm-hmm. because I think Mel Tucker stinks as a coach. Michigan State has won three games against FBS opponents going back to last season. I want to play Washington, but because it feels like such a public side, again, yeah. it like kind of like that Duke thing. It feels just trappy. Uh, I may look at an under here. 
with Washington playing on the road for the first time this season, all the way in the Eastern time zone, something they don't do very often. Um, and maybe the offense isn't quite as, uh, as crisp as it normally is. Um, but again, this is one of those games where I, I, as much as I, I hate to lay the big public favorite, I've got no interest in the dog. Okay. Uh, interesting prop on DraftKings. Largest lead of the game, 20 and a half over is at minus 145. I would lay that. Okay. I think that there will be a three touchdown lead for Washington okay. at some point. At some point. They might not cover, they might not last for the full game, but at some point they will be up by 21 points. Uh, moving on, number 23, Washington State hosting Northern Colorado. No line there. No line. Number 24, UCLA hosting North Carolina Central. Number 11, Tennessee is at Florida, and the Vols are only laying six and a half on the road. Yeah, I'd certainly like to see a seven here, but this is probably one of those spots where I'll look to fade Tennessee. I talked about that a lot in the offseason. My preseason assumption that Joe Milton would not be able to run this offense the same way Hendon Hooker did is looking like it's coming to fruition. Uh, beating down Virginia does nothing for me, first of all. Virginia's defense is, is dreadful. And they they were laying 48 against Austin P last week. It was They never even came close to that number. I don't know if I can put real American dollars on Graham Mertz, <laughs> but I want nothing to do with Tennessee in this game. Um, this... Florida's 24 and 6 straight up in the last 30 matchups between these two teams. Of those six Tennessee wins, two have been by at least a touchdown. So twice in the last 30 years has Tennessee beat Florida by at least a touchdown. Mm. I, I'm not looking to say that, well, this is that, like, this Tennessee team's not special. Yeah. I don't see that. There's no Peyton Manning coming around. Like, so it's uh, it's dog or pass for me here. Yeah, same. And if I, if you see a touchdown or north of seven, I, I'll, grab, I'll grab Florida at seven. I that, don't know if we'll see it again, but I'd grab Florida at that, seven. To me, it's about the number. Yep. Uh, I don't like six and a half, but I really do like seven, and I love seven and a half for Florida. Number two, Michigan, 40 and a half point favorites over <laughs> Bowling Green. And all I got to say is, Michigan wins, but they don't cover. Yeah, prove it to me. Um, this Michigan team's obviously elite on defense, but they don't seem interested in covering these. No, big they're just on cruise. Without Jim Harbaugh, they are just on cruise control. The the pace is slower than mm-hmm. it has been. Yep. Um, they're, they're one of the teams that's being impacted by the running clock on first downs. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of short passes and runs. They're having long sustained drives and giving up nothing on defense. But it's it's leading to low-scoring games. Yep. Bowling Green's better offensively than Michigan's previous opponents, but they turn the ball over a ton. And if you start turning the ball over against Michigan, they're, they're going to put some points on the board. So I, I could see Mich- – I, I, I think until Michigan settles in with the coaching staff, I'm going to sit out on their games. Mm-hmm. But this one, I would lean to them covering the number. I also lean to them going over 53-and-a-half just because I, I think Bowling Green puts them in some sh- real short fields a couple times. Okay. Uh, if I had to make a play, I'd take the 40-and-a-half. Okay. you got to show me a cover first. You gotta show I, me I don't blame you. And, and you know what? This game could very easily be 35 nothing. Yeah. But that doesn't cover the 40-and-a-half. Nope. So until, And if Bowling Green scores any points, Michigan's not covering in this game. If Bowling Green scores a touchdown, Michigan's winning this game 42-7. to You might be right. And and that's it. They're not covering because Michigan has not shown me uh, when I coming into week one. I thought this was going to be a Michigan team that was going to score fifty points. Well, that's the frustrating thing is, and that's why it's scary to to take forty and a half with Bowling Green because you know Michigan has the talent. 
to put up those numbers. Like it wouldn't shock you if it, it wouldn't shock you if Michigan came out and won this game sixty-one to zero. Sure. Just in the first two weeks, they haven't shown a propensity to mm-hmm. to do that. Number seventeen, Ole Miss hosting Georgia Tech. This line is moving. Ole Miss laying nineteen and a half at home. Yeah, this is. Uh, I think it's moving because we're we're seeing now Georgia Tech without. Uh, one of their best wide receivers, Chase Lane, their big play wide receiver, is going to be out for this game. Ole Miss was, and I, I think maybe you're also seeing some pessimism on Ole Miss. They weren't particularly impressive against Tulane. That was actually one of our winners on the contest card. It was our, yeah, our lone college football winner. We had Ole Miss minus seven. It looked for most of the game like they weren't going to cover. They struggled mightily in the first half, and that was against a backup quarterback. They end up turning it on take control of the game in the second half and pull away. And I got burned by Georgia Tech in week one against Louisville. Haynes King is clearly an upgrade over Jeff Sims, who yeah, stinks. Jeff Sims, he sucks. Uh, but their defense still has some problems, like I said. And and then Chase Lane being out for this game, I think, is a big deal. Ole Miss won this game last year 42-0. to zero. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech's improved, but are they that improved? Like, Ole Miss eventually wore down this two-lane defense last week. I, I could see a similar thing playing out here. I don't fully trust Ole Miss defensively, uh, especially after allowing 20 points to a backup quarterback for a G5 program. But I, it's favorite or nothing for me. I, I also kind of like the over here, 63 and a half. Yeah, I, I'd lean Ole Miss or pass. Um, if this number gets too high, I, I would I would stay away from it. But Ole Miss is on offense. They're just elite. Um, and, I, and I look at 73 points in week one. Yeah. Scored. And even you know last week, it just seemed like an easy 37. You know, like the, the way that this offense works, just it just seems like they can score on, on every time they touch the football. And kind of like we talked about with James Franklin, one of the beautiful things about Lane Kiffin is they always he always tries does, to score. He doesn't stop. Yeah, he always like, tries. He to wants score. to embarrass you. They they very easily win this game by three touchdowns. So I, I if I yeah, it's not one of my plays, but I would lay it with Ole Miss. Uh, number four, Texas hosting Wyoming. Texas laying twenty eight and a half. Is this the letdown? After beating Alabama. Well, it's certainly not a great spot. You come off that massive win. Uh, you start conference play on the road next week. Although Baylor starting out so poorly probably helps a little bit, make it feel less sandwichy. But the talent gap is just so massive with these teams. And I don't know how Wyoming's going to score. Wyoming scored 31 points against Portland State last week. The same Portland State that gave up an 80-burger to Oregon in week <laughs> one. Like Wyoming has done most of their damage on the ground this year. And you can't run against this Texas front. They are dumb. 67 yards per game on the ground. And they've played Alabama. Like, <laughs> that's that's an absurd number. So I want to back Texas here. I worry a little bit that we're going to see some backups late in the game. Um, maybe look at the first half for Texas, despite them not getting margin in the first half against Rice. Uh, they, they got it after halftime, but I think Texas probably starts playing a little looser now after starting 2-0. They're comfortable. They're confident. I, I could see some swagger building for Texas. It wouldn't shock me if they cover this game. I, it's a, Again, the spot makes me want to stay away from it, but I, I think Texas can can do what they want here. I like the over in this game, 48.5, because I certainly think Texas can score into the 40s themselves. And you mentioned uh, backups being in this game, and I think that once backups are in this game, they're going to try and score, but I also think they're going to let up a score. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Wyoming backdoors this thing and covers the 28.5 because of a late touchdown. But more importantly, any score that Wyoming gets later in the game is going to help us with this over. So I, I I like the over more so than laying the 28 and a half with Texas. I like over 48 and a half. 
All right. I don't I don't hate that either. Number 13, Oregon hosting Hawaii and the Ducks laying 38 and a half total in this one is 68 and a half. Good luck figuring out this Oregon team. Uh, I, I've got no idea what to, what to expect from them. Like I, I mentioned, they put up 80 something against Portland State and then they were outmatched most of that game against Texas Tech. Uh, they scored a couple touchdowns in the last couple minutes of the game and they end up covering the spread somehow. Like one of the more miraculous covers you'll see this season, I would guess. Oregon didn't look elite on offense for most of the game, but Hawaii has a tendency to make teams look elite on offense. Mm, they made they Stanford it. look good. They made Stanford look really good, and we saw last – like that was one of my losses last week was the over in the Stanford-USC game. I was like, man, look at Stanford on offense. They're going to be able to put up points against this USC defense. Nothing. So maybe Hawaii's defense is just that bad, and if they are, whew, this could get really ugly. Uh, Oregon's allowing – Five yards per pass play this season. Five, that's an incredible number. And Hawaii doesn't even try to run the ball. Like mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. are one dimensional. They want to throw. Oregon's not going to let them throw. This could be a real blowout. Oregon's weakness on defense is the run, and, and Hawaii doesn't do it. My concern is now, and I, I, the thought of saying this two weeks ago was crazy. Oregon look, has look ahead to Colorado. Ahead to Colorado. Yeah. I mean, that was that was an insane <laughs> thing to think a, a couple weeks ago. But I, I would I would certainly lean to laying it with the Ducks here. Yeah, primetime uh, game, Pac-12 networks, and no one's going to watch it. But uh, primetime game there in Eugene, uh, the Ducks going to have to rest up because he's going to be doing a lot of push-ups. Uh, I'd look towards any props playing Oregon or Bo Nix, uh, any overs there. In this game. 69, the total nice, nice total there. Yeah. Uh, you feel like it, it goes, or do you just want to look at a team total? I, I might look more Oregon team total or Oregon props, maybe like um, over touchdown passes for Bo Nix, things like that, okay. as opposed to because uh, how many points is, is Hawaii going to score if Oregon gets into the 40s? Are they going to get into the 30s and, and push this thing over? I, I don't know. I don't you know, think 37 so. and a half is a huge number. Yeah, I would look at any sort of team props, points prop. Oregon team total is 52 and a half. I mean, that's high. Yeah. That's high. But again, this is a team that put up 83 in a game so I far know. this season. I know. Uh, wait till some player props come out, maybe have some fun with that, or, um, you know, uh, play some sort of. Um, Prop on on or on Oregon race to points or or longest touchdown things like that. This could be a fun game to watch. Could be a track meet just for Oregon running up and down the field. But here. think about that: if Oregon scores seven touchdowns, mm-hmm. you're still short of the team. Total. Still short. That's yep. pretty. That's that's yep. tough. Uh, number eighteen, Colorado hosting Colorado State and the Buffs laying twenty three points at home. Yeah, have you come around on Colorado yet? AJ? Uh, no, I haven't. Um. I mean, listen, there's no denying it in some ways. They're clearly better than I thought they were, and even they're better than I thought they were a week ago. That said, I I directionally liked Colorado State coming into this season. They had a really disappointing opener against Wazoo, but after Wazoo went in and beat Wisconsin, you may have to give Washington State a little more credit than, than I was thinking preseason. This line in the summer was under 10. <laughs> it's now, what, 23? I, again, I see Colorado's improve, but this just feels like a lot. And, and if we're to, if we are going to say Oregon has look ahead, you have to assume Colorado also has some look ahead uh, for that trip up to Austin. So uh, I'd lean to the dog here. I, again, I'm not looking to get in the in the way of this Colorado bullet train. 
Uh, but I, I would lean to Colorado State keeping it within 23. I mean, I'm selfishly going to back Colorado just because I want to. I can't wait to back Oregon next week. Okay, you know, and, and I think that another Colorado. I hope you're right. And another another Colorado win and another Colorado cover is just going to make that line against Oregon go down um, because Oregon's going to humble them. I, I truly believe that. But Colorado can name their number in this game. And and maybe it's a first-half Colorado because in the second half it's a little bit of disinterest, right? You can get up for the home crowd. But this is a prime-time game on campus. We saw how hyped that crowd was for the Fox Big Noon kickoff. Mm-hmm. Now how hyped are they going to be for a 7 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on ESPN? Nationally televised, again. It's going to be an electric crowd. It's a rivalry game. I think Prime puts his mark on this one. And, again, I'll go back to what I said last week for Colorado. Throw out everything you thought about this team preseason. The only thing we should be going on is the data points that we currently have, which are the first two games of this season, where Colorado has scored 45 points against TCU and 36 points against Nebraska. So penciling them in for 30-somewhat points here against Colorado State, Pretty simple, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I will say Colorado State with this Norvell offense should be should be able to throw the ball around some. Yeah, if you look at the efficiency ranks on uh, ESPN's analytics, Colorado State two point four. Okay, that's the worst in the country. Not good. Yeah, you the worst offensive efficiency in the country ranked one thirty three. Yeah, that is not good. Before we get to our best bets, AJ, let's tell the people how they can save money at pregame.com. If you go to pregame.com and you use the promo code CFB50, CFB standing for? College football. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. CFB50, this is the discount you're going to get. $50 off any college football season access discounted subscription. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, that's what? Okay, let me get this straight. The, the, the season access early bird lowest price available, $549. And if you use the promo code CFB50, you only pay $499. Yeah. And you get the Every entire pick. college football season. Bowl season all the way through the national championship. for your From your favorite pregame pro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's good value, man. That is a great value because you can get just one best bet for $25. Yeah. Or you can get every pick for the remainder of the season for $4.99 using the promo code CFB50. That's pretty sweet if you ask me. Uh, And you can pick your favorite pregame pro and jump on board. They're all access, the discounted subscription for listeners of this college football podcast. If you go to pregame.com, use the promo code CFB50. Let's give out best bets on picks that we think will make our contest card. Yeah, and, and we both have two plays that aren't on the top 25 board. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll go through these, and I, I'll, I'll lead off. Uh, this is probably my favorite. Uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I, I like both of these. Uh, I'm going to go with Air Force, minus 9.5. I, I expect this game to be circled for Air Force. They lost last season as favorites to Utah State. And Air Force, we talked about Georgia and what they've done defensively. And you can say, oh, who have they played, blah, blah, blah. Air Force has been elite 
defensively, and they get this Utah State team that I still think is absolute trash on offense. Utah State put up 78 points last week Mm. against Idaho State, who I've talked about being one of the worst. They they haven't won an FCS game in two years. This is a bad team. I believe Air Force is going to shut it down. They've given up less than 40 yards per game on the ground. They've given up less than 80 yards per game through the air. Five points per game allowed this season. Competition's been Robert Morris and Sam Houston. I get it. But they've made bad offenses look bad, and Utah State is a bad offense. I don't think they get anything on the board. Give me a motivated favor here with an elite home field advantage uh, at Air Force. I love Air Force minus nine and a half here. All right. I will go to my first selection, and it is New Mexico laying one against New Mexico State. Rivalry game, and New Mexico is home. The home team has won five of the last seven meetings between these two. But more importantly, New Mexico State will be without head coach Jerry Keel. He is not with the team this week due to an illness. He is not coaching them during practice and preparation for this week and will likely not coach this Saturday. So assistant head coach and offensive coordinator Tim Beck taking over the day-to-day operations of the program. New Mexico State struggled with Liberty last week. They were embarrassed by UMass. They have allowed the third most red zone opportunities in the country this season at 12, and they've allowed six touchdowns and four field goals in those 12 trips. But the bigger part of this handicap is rivalry game, going with the home team and the road team without their head coach. So I like New Mexico over New Mexico State. Money line's only minus 115. So if you want to play the money line, play that. But if you had to lay the points, lay the one. Yeah, I like that too. Um, and I, I'm, I, I have these schools power rated about equal on mm-hmm. a neutral. Yeah. And this game's at New Mexico. At New Mexico. So uh, I, I like the Lobos as well there. I think that one makes our card. Uh, I'm going to go to Maryland for my second best bet. Maryland minus 14 and a half hosting Virginia. And this is kind of maybe more of a, a Virginia fade than a Maryland hurrah. Uh, but Maryland's look very solid on offense this season. Now they face maybe the worst defensive team in power five. And both these teams last week played weather delayed games. Maryland was able to pull away. UVA fell flat against mm-hmm. James Madison in a really emotional spot. And I think that's important. Last week, they honored the players that were killed last season. Everybody was crying. It was a big spot for them. And they gave that game away. Now they've got to follow that up, making their first road trip of the season, face a Maryland team that's been very effective offensively. Granted, competition's been weak, but they're putting up 490 yards per game, allowing 295 per game. Virginia, almost the exact opposite. Putting up 298, allowing 447. I think losing that game last week took the the wind out of the sails of this Virginia team. Mm. Now they got to play a non-conference road game before opening up conference play next week. This feels like a down spot for a defense that I already want to fade in general. I like Maryland minus 14 and a half here against Virginia. I'm going to go with Syracuse laying two and a half at Purdue. And the Orange, despite not playing any real competition in the first two games, have looked really impressive. 65 points in week one, 48 points in week two. And Garrett Schrader is a dual threat, and he's using his legs to create plays. And if you look at uh, just nationally ra- national rankings, uh, I mentioned the ESPN FPI, the football power index. Syracuse is 18th in the country. Purdue's 59th. 
Um, Purdue is 0-5 against the spread in their last five home games. And Syracuse, 14th in the country in third down conversions. They're ninth in the country in third down defense. They're number one in the country in red zone defense. They have only allowed one red zone possession in two games. And no points out of that one red zone possession. Purdue, meanwhile, has allowed six red zone possessions, four touchdowns, and one field goal. So if Syracuse gets into the 20, they're putting this into the end zone. Um, I don't get the love for Purdue. To me, they have not looked good at all. And I have a, a Syracuse team that is on the rise. I got a quarterback that's playing well, that's utilizing his legs. You mentioned the up-tempo offense for Syracuse. I think this team is the real deal. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be a contender in the ACC because I think once they get through the conference schedule, things get difficult for them. But this is a team that last year started out really hot, 6-0 and to start the year before you know they ran through the tough part of their schedule. I think we could see a similar start for this Syracuse team this year. I like the Orange laying two and a half on the road. I, I'm with you. I like both your best bets here. I, Purdue is, is not good. Uh, the, that loss to Fresno State mm-hmm. is aging poorly. And uh, Virginia Tech sucks. So Virginia I'm not, Tech's dreadful. I'm not taking anything from that win. And, and Fresno State last week, after beating Purdue at Purdue, Fresno State went to double overtime and beat Eastern Washington by a field goal. So how good are they, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't think this Fresno team is very good. So I, I, I really think this Purdue team is missing Aiden O'Connell, which, again, they're probably not missing the turnovers. Mm-hmm. But it, there's just not much to like about this Purdue football team. And Syracuse, like I said, I, I've had to make an adjustment. Syracuse is clearly – better than I thought they were coming into the season. I thought the change in the offense was going to was going to take time to figure out. Them working at a, an up tempo has been very effective and I I'm actually curious to see how good Syracuse can be. I I I thought they were going to be, you know, a, a bottom feeder again. Uh, I, I certainly don't think that at this point. So I I think the Syracuse team is pretty solid and they're playing a Purdue team that I don't like at all. Um, I, I think I think Syracuse is is going to win this game comfortably. All right, so I uh, feel like we have some picks here for our contest cards. I'll repeat my best bets: Syracuse two and a half at Purdue, New Mexico laying one at home against New Mexico State. AJ Air Force minus nine and a half uh, hosting Utah State, and Maryland minus fourteen and a half hosting Virginia. All right, that will do it for another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. Again, I'll tweet out at AJ is the real. Uh, I will tweet out our contest card when we get it submitted, the final contest card, so you guys know exactly what we're playing with. Um, how about your the my last man standing? Lost two of my five entries week one. Ouch. Yeah, Troy, never never even close, and Stanford. I used one mm-hmm. on Stanford, and they were never even close. So uh, I used two plays on my best bet last week, which was UCLA. That was a nice winner, and I had one on Texas, which obviously won outright. Yep, nice. So three out of five, but to make it the whole season on those three entries, mm. I didn't. I don't think I lost my first entry until week three last year. So um, got to uh, got got to start the fight. Baby. That's why you get five. That's why you get five. So uh, we'll keep you up with both of those contests as the season goes on. Scott, appreciate it as always, and we will talk to you guys next week. Best of luck this week with college football.